to minute 32 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob. I'm Tom. And joining us once again today on this lovely Tuesday is uh, World War II author Jim Keen. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me here on a Tuesday. <laughs> Always, you're welcome all week, Jim. That's what we want to have you on every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. All right. I'll be just, here. Just make sure you make sure you keep your schedule open. <laughs> so episode thirty-two starts up. it continues the conversation between Ramsey and Bartlett. Ramsey questions Bartlett's uh, statement about revenge and tells him that uh, personal revenge must be kept out of what we have to do here. And the minute ends with Ramsey starting a phrase by saying the cost. Or finishing a phrase by saying the costs. So as we started discussing yesterday, the, the whole idea here is very interesting where here you have senior commanders, you know, that are, that are in a, a prison camp in the, in the middle of, uh, of, of, uh, Germany, Poland. I think, I think the, I think Stalag uh, Luft three was in, uh, Poland. It and, was in Poland. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they they need to keep themselves as clear-headed as possible, but at the same time, they need to figure out how to keep their own emotions in check. And this is one of the few times, as I mentioned yesterday, in, in the whole movie where Bartlett goes a little bit out of his uh, calm collectiveness when, when dealing with situations. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I can understand why. I mean, he just was being tortured for the last three months in by the Gestapo. So uh, you you would understand why he would... He would say this, and and the truth is, is it's it's interesting that that this conversation is a conversation that happens in private. You know, it's between two senior officers who've uh, who've been together for for numerous uh, years. We assume. So I, I guess Bartlett felt that he's able to to show his real emotion uh, in front of the SBO, and their their conversation is is quite eye opening because of the way that they they the their discussion takes them in the direction of, okay, we're now here. We have the best uh, crew with us. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Okay. And this scene, we've made some references to the Oceans movies before, and I'm about to make another one. So if you don't like it, well, too bad. (laughs) Um, We get this scene that reminds me in the new Oceans 11, when Brad Pitt's character finds out the casino owner's dating George Clooney's wife. And you get this scene where it's like, you've tied us up all into this at this point. This is bigger than you. We need you to come in, be clear-headed, and lead us. And I didn't see the worry on Ramsey's face in terms of, are you still able to look at this from an objective point of view and do your best to get us out of here? Or has this become too personal for you and you need to take a step back and we need to reevaluate who's going to run this show? Mm-hmm. This That particular reference also is also some foreshadowing for the towards the end of the movie because at the end towards the end not to jump ahead I apologize for that but um, you don't need to apologize anyone who's listening to this minute by minute has probably <laughs> hopefully seen the movie at least once and knows what happens so well, if you uh, if you think about it when after the fifty were shot and then 
there's a small group that come back and Henley is kind of at the front and he has um, a conversation with the squadron leader and the squadron leader says 50 were shot. And then they discuss the whole object, including, including uh, Roger. So the, the, he reminds him that the objective was high up the German army, which they did. And then Henley makes the same statement again. He said, was it worth it? And the squadron leader says, it depends on your perspective. So this scene, it's one minute. It's kind of a foreshadowing the end of the movie. That, that, that's a, a great comparison. I think that that really works well because, because here, this is, this is the point where they're, they're discussing it theoretically. You know, will it be worth it to, to do something like this? Because in, in this, this minute, they discuss the fact that, okay, we're going to try and get 200, 300, 300 people out, scatter them all over around Germany, you know, mess up the, 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 the Nazis as much as possible so that they're going to have to spend so much manpower trying to find all of us instead of having to have them, you know, uh, on the fronts. And then I, I, I like the fact that, that, that you mentioned this because I, 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 for, you know, it slipped my mind that, that a similar conversation happens at the end and it really does put a lot in perspective because you have it from before and then you have the after and it's like afterwards. Okay. Was it worth it? And I mean, obviously everyone has their own opinion on that. What do you think, Jim? Do you think it was worth it from, from, because this is based on, on truth. You think it was worth what they did? Well, I mean, they didn't know at the time that that the Gestapo was going to execute fifty of them. Um, Roger, well, Roger, Roger knew that he was that that if he got caught, he was dead. Right, but he he and he, but he was one person. Now, had he known that they would have killed fifty, he might have looked at it from a different perspective. But um, so. They did accomplish what they wanted to accomplish because I, I know from my own research that um, they did have to use a lot of resources to track these guys down. There were, and I, I'm sure you know that everybody lives, and there were, there were a total of 76 that escaped. Um, three of them made it. 50 were executed, and I believe that leaves 23 were, were returned to the camp. So that's a lot of re- resources to track down or try and find 76 people. So they, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Uh, the ironic thing is Roger himself got executed so, and he was the ringleader. Right. But, uh, but I, I think it also brings up the, the, the whole idea in question, you know, that, that any commander or any boss has to deal with, you know, you, there are certain times that you have to make decisions, you know, whether it's a military decision or not. But here, since we're discussing it, since this movie obviously is looking at things from a military perspective, let's just discuss it from the military perspective, but any, uh, officer, or or even if it's an NCO or whatever, and they need to make a decision, they need to choose who's going to do something. So that's the way these things work. You know, you're 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 in war. You make decisions, and sometimes there are consequences for those decisions. Sometimes not. I mean, a perfect example of this is uh, pra- uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know that, that where where the, you know they have the, the the scene in the church between Tom Hanks and Tom Sizemore. So. So the two of them are seeing and they're having a conversation and, and, and Tom Hanks basically says, you know, I can remember every single person that I've sent off to, to die. And so it, it weighs heavily on a commander's uh, conscience. But but there's certain things when you're in, in battle or in war. And here, the, these 
you know, the, the, the whole idea of the ex-organization was to wage battle, to open a new front, you know, that the Nazis had to fight against. So from that perspective, I, I think that, you know, as a commander, he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, obviously, all the 76 who got out and anyone who was planning on escaping, they, they were, you know, they were in line to escape. Every one of them, they were volunteers. You know, right. they wanted to escape. You know, it wasn't at that point. It wasn't that that Roger said, "Okay, you're you're going and you're staying." You know, it was. Uh, you know, I mean, you have the scene later on when when he tries to keep Blythe in, because he thinks that that he's gonna, you know, cause others to to be to to eventually get get caught. You know that that also gets overruled. You know, because because they said, "Look, we all want our freedom here." Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no. So I think that's an interesting way of it, and maybe maybe you can actually answer a question that, that that Tom and I have been discussing with guests over the last few weeks. There's the whole idea here that actually, you know what? I'm going to keep this for 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 tomorrow because I think that that that's something. It's I think something we can discuss tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll keep you in suspense till tomorrow. I am not, not. I won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have to wonder about Roger's math here, though. Because he says he wants to tie up thousands of Germans in the hunt for them. I mean, that amounts to them devoting 10-plus people looking for each individual prisoner, assuming that he gets the 200 to 300 out. And that just seems very far-fetched to me, that, you know, it seems like you could tie up a couple hundred you know on a search team for finding all of these escape pow's no but it's more than just search teams it's roadblocks it's it's uh you know having people get on trains and check the trains and start checking every passenger i mean there's there's a lot that 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 can be done maybe again he, he could be exaggerating a little bit by saying thousands instead of saying hundreds that it could it could just be semantics but Again, it is possible. Remember, they're 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 in the middle of Poland, and you know they're all scattering in different directions of of where they're going. So, you know, it's not as if they're all going on the same road to to get out of town. True. It just seems um, like a very high number to me. That well, it doesn't necessarily mean they were doing a full time either. It could just be, um, you know, somebody's got their eyes and ears open focused on something when they really, their job is to be doing something else. I mean, it could be, it could be kind of a hinted in that, you know, that amount. But yeah, I understand, I certainly understand what you're driving at. No, but maybe it's, uh, you know, you have to have people that are, that are printing out the wanted posters and, and posting them all around in the little towns. You know, if you see Bartlett, you know, anywhere, stop him, you know, that type of thing. Uh, again, as, as we see later in the movie, the, you know when when uh, you know when they're all trying to escape, and and Bartlett is actually known by by a number of different Gestapo officers. So the question is: is was he being tortured by all of those officers at some point, or you know, or did they have his dossier that went around after they escaped and said, okay, this is the guy we want to capture the most? Well, it's probably like the FBI. You know, we've always FBI's always got their top ten. You know, well. Roger was probably in their in their top ten or whatever they called it. So um, he was certainly a, a significant figure to them. 
Absolutely. Right. That's true. Now, now, uh, one of the other comments that's made during this this minute is, you know, Roger says the goons have put every escape artist in this camp. And so we, we've also de- debated over the last few weeks as to, you know, whether this was a smart move or a dumb move from, I mean, obviously the fact that 76 prisoners got out, you can say that that's somewhat of a failure of, of, of the German prison hierarchy or whatever, whoever made the, the, the high command that, uh, that made the decision to put everyone together. I mean, do you, as, as a historian, do you, do you have any information? Uh, did you, did you come across anything like that in your research as to, you know, whether you'd think that it was a smart move to put all these prisoners together without thinking it through? Well, to me, it, to me, it makes sense. I mean, even similar to our own American prison system is they put the worst of the worst together. Where they, I think they, they messed up was they did not fortify the prison camp well enough. I mean, going back to, to my statement about the prison prison system in the United States, if you pass one of the the, the uh, a prison like that here, I mean, there's two or three walls surrounding the place with razor wire and guard shacks everywhere. They've they've really bolstered it, and that's I think if there was a mistake, that's where the mistake was. Is they seem like they just built a regular old camp. There wasn't anything special about it. Well, they mentioned that the, that the guards are, are the best. That these are the elite. I mean, we don't we don't see it from the the actors who play those guards, but uh, theoretically, it's supposed to be the elite, right? But, but that would be my only thing. Is I, I mean, to me, it makes sense to put them all together. But the the camp probably should have been fortified more. No, but it, it, I, I would I, I agree and disagree with your statement because obviously in the prison system in the U.S. prison system, so you put all the the murderers together or whatever. But here you're talking about people who who have all tried to escape. I mean, we we discussed a few weeks ago the 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 number of escape attempts that a lot of these characters you know had over the course of their uh, internments, and you you think there's a pattern there. I mean, this isn't that we're saying, okay, let's put all the murderers together. Here they're saying, let's put all the people who are trying to dig out of uh, out of the camp together. True, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, I guess they've determined they're are, they're going to try and escape. They have that track record. So if you if you have them scattered about in different uh, prisons, then they're gonna they're still gonna try. They're just gonna be scattered. So I don't know. Who knows? Right. Okay. The, the other question I had with this minute is, is you know, Roger says that Ramsey appointed him Big X. Is, I mean, Ramsey is obviously the senior British officer in this camp. Is Ramsey the senior British officer in prisoner? All, right. right across all of the you know, German POW camps? Because it seems like, you know, Big X has been a, you know, Rogers had the Big X title for an extended period of time now. And it also makes it sound like it's a unique title where you don't, you know, I could see where you'd have Big X's in multiple camps, but then you run into the problem at this camp, you've got three guys who are all Big X's. So is Ramsey this most senior British POW, or how did that dynamic work? Well, the, the question first is, is uh, 
how many i mean this is this is a camp just of of uh, force officers who are prisoners some um, the, how many prison how many POW camps did they have you know for the officers the the, the air force officers which I, I don't know enough about that i mean maybe jim maybe you know something about the the history of that <laughs> that's a good question i do not know but i will look that up right but we we know there were at least 3 cuz uh, this was Stalag three, so. Uh, but I think there were, I think there were several more, from what I recall. Right. Okay. No, I mean, because uh, as as I've mentioned in the past about the book, in the book they they mentioned that that Roger wasn't the first uh, officer appointed Big X. There was there was a previous uh, Big X who who actually managed to escape, and as he not not from this camp, from a previous camp, and he got in a boat, and somehow his boat capsized. And he drowned, and then I, I, I still wonder how they found that information out. And they needed to, to appoint a new big X, but Roger Roger Bushel or, or Bushel, however you want to pronounce it, was then appointed the big X. So maybe it's just maybe they're mostly talking about the, the British prisoners system. You know, maybe that that's an answer to your question, Tom. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. It is a good question. Yeah, no, I, I I like the way that 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 uh, you know Roger's statement says you appointed me Big X, and it's my duty to harass, confound, and confuse the enemy to the best of my ability. Oh, right. I um, I like the whole portion of it. And I that's just, just and that's just no, no. I'm I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just stating that 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 sentence is great. You know, it's like that's his his you know job description. You know, he goes for his next interview and he says, okay, uh, you know, what did you, what did you do in your last job? And he says, oh, I was Big X. Well, what did you do as Big X? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it was my job to harass, confound, and confuse the enemy to the best of my ability. <laughs> well, I got 76 men out. <laughs> That's right. Well, if you think about also in in the opening of the movie when um, Ramsey is talking to Von Luger, he makes that same statement. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's slightly different, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's not quite as aggressive, but it's same right. point. Right, that's well, very true. And since we have a writer, I was I've spent probably twenty minutes trying to think up something to replace harass, so we could have three C's. It just seems odd that it's harass, confounding, confuse. I feel like the first one should start with a C. Any brilliant <laughs> ideas? No, I have to. Call me off guard on that one. <laughs> let me let me let me do some research here. You know? That's what, that's why you have to have a thesaurus handy. Yeah, right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll come up with something for you. I'll shoot it to you in an email. Okay. That's a great question. There it is. All right. Do either of you have anything else to say about this minute? Nope. No, I'm good. Thank you. All right, so Jim, do you want to uh, you know tell, to give everyone your your plugs? Do you want to plug your books, plug your site, whatever you want? Yeah, um, I'm a World War II historical fiction author. My books can be found on Amazon uh, under my pen name of J.D. Keene. That's spelled K-E-E-N-E. Um, got a couple books that I've published. I'm working on third. Uh, the first one is called The Heroes of Saint Maragliese. It's about the D-Day invasion. And really the French resistance and how they participated in it. And then the second one takes place in Italy is more of a love story. And the website is www.jdkeen.com. All right, great. Uh, I hope you'll uh, agree to come back tomorrow. I'll be here.
All right, excellent. And if anyone, you know, we'd love if anyone goes to, uh, rate, review, and subscribe via any uh, podcatcher that you must that you may use. You can visit our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can write us uh, via Twitter at uh, Great Escape MXM. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. So hopefully you'll, you'll all join us again tomorrow as we uh, talk once again about uh, The Great Escape. Tally-ho! Tally-ho! Tally-ho!